Hey. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. That's fine. Um, well, for everybody, this is Miss Ogakova, who's originally from Bulgaria, but lives in Germany as a pianist slash organist slash are you a student now or yeah. are you teaching? Student yeah. of International Relations and Management. Okay. I'm writing my bachelor's thesis right now. Oh, awesome. Slash polyglot. Slash polyglot, slash yeah. Slash singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Um, I wanted to um, start this is just a back and forth conversation. So, sorry. Yeah. A back and forth conversation. So, um, basically, I asked the first question I usually ask my guests, um, you know, how did you get started, you know, with language learning? Um, how did your language learning journey begin initially? Yeah. So, first of all, uh, I want to thank you, Chanel, for having me here and to say, uh, hello to um, the the audience, the listeners of this podcast. Uh, so, hello, dear polyglots, hyperpolyglots, linguistic nerds, language enthusiasts. Hello, everybody. So, my language learning journey began quite early uh, when I was uh, like really young, because um, I grew up uh, bilingually actually, because my mom comes from Sochi, Russia, uh, and my dad is Bulgarian. So uh, when I was like little, <laughs> a small child, um, I learned uh, both Russian and Bulgarian in parallel without confusing them, without any problems. So I was really early aware uh, of the existence of um, different countries, different cultures, where different languages are spoken. Uh, I was also listening to music in different languages, for example, in English, in Spanish, in Italian. Um, and I also realized really early that English was like lingua franca or international, an international language. So I wanted to, to learn it. And um, when I was in uh, kindergarten, uh, so I was there only for one year, but, but yeah, nevertheless, I was there. Uh, so I started there to uh, study English, uh, of course, without, um, without uh, a textbook or a grammar or like mentioning grammar, only words, songs and so on. But I uh, already could read a little bit in English, write a little bit. I, I knew the alphabet. Um, and of course, I knew the, the Cyrillic alphabet um, when I was in, uh, in the kindergarten. Uh, I also read, like, <laughs> don't know, uh, fairy tales, short stories, whatever. Uh, so my mom, uh, she <laughs> was, like, responsible for my... <laughs> reading and writing skills so she was the, the person who who taught me um, to read and write so 
Um, so yeah, so from kindergarten, uh, it, it began with, with the kindergarten. Uh, and uh, when I was in the kindergarten, I also had another dream, uh, namely to learn Spanish, because I love, and I still love, uh, the songs of Julio Iglesias and um, some other Latin American singers, uh, like the uh, uh, Gypsy Kings and so on uh, and um, and I invented a Spanish language day or the day of the Spaniards <laughs> I called it um, uh, that way it was every Friday so every Friday when I came to kindergarten I told to my um, to like the children there in the like the group mates I, I told um, well, so happy day of the Spaniards of the Spanish language. So everybody learned what like what Spain means that Spain exists, that Spanish language exists. But of course, it was like my fantasy, my invention. Uh, but it was like my dream, and uh, it came true when I was oh, twenty-two, I think. So I started learning. I started studying uh, Spanish. Uh, at this age but yeah it began with Russian and Bulgarian and uh, then with English yes what what did you use like what types of materials did you use did you use braille did you use text to speech uh, in general to, to learn a language to study a language right like yeah yeah I mean like evidently you use the radio and yeah, yeah. and, and so, all that but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. like when I when, when I study a language a foreign language yes I use predominantly braille twenty four seven so either um, uh, like my braille dis braille display or um, textbooks uh, on paper it depends. Mm -hmm. uh, text to speech, yes, I use it um, in the um, beginning stage of my of the language learning process, uh, only for, for the pronunciation. So um, I switch it on, and uh, I usually click in a Word document, for example, where my textbook is um, mm -hmm. usually is. Um, I click on uh, words like with draws. Mm -hmm. um, with the screen reader draws um, and I used like a key combination mm -hmm. and so I click uh, on, on, on um, certain words and like hear them and then repeat them and it's like repetition okay. exercise with this text to speech and the radio of course uh, I listen to the radio as well um, in order to improve my listening comprehension uh, skills uh, but like um, in order to read books like literature, mm -hmm. everything. So I use only Braille, and I don't like in this context, like in 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 this uh, relation, I don't like uh, text speech because I'm like I think that um, I can perceive and and uh, understand the information better when I read it by myself than right. uh, than when I listen to it. So. Okay, uh, there so, are many so, different approaches, so right. it's my mine. <laughs> it's my. So approach, you're more, you're more, you're more kinesthetic. You're more hands on. Uh, with, with hands, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah. because I know for me personally, like I'm all three, but 
I use mostly audio in the beginning and speak from day one in the beginning. Uh, you just uh, speak from day one. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, for me, um, you know, I have to have a certain amount of uh, information in my head. Like I, when I started Russian, I used this prime example seven years ago. I, there was hardly any materials that were accessible. Well, on this no. side of the of the U.S. anyway. And no, so, mm-hmm. so I wasn't even a part of the polyglot community yet. And no. I didn't even know what a polyglot was. No. So mm-hmm. for me, I know um, I used like Michelle Thomas for free mm-hmm. until I could Michelle buy it. And then I used um, Russian Made Easy, which was a free app by Mark Thompson. And then mm-hmm. I found the Memorize app, which was free. And I mean, I just did as much free stuff as I possibly could. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I did the whole listening from day one. Like I, I went and found Russian apps and got books and like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, and I found other books that I liked, and I found movies you, that you, I liked. You, you read uh, Dostoevsky and what uh, exactly? Tolst- Tolstoy. Uh, Tolstoy, you read. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, actually, my whole goal was by the end. And now, mind you, it took me two and a half years. Um, I was able to understand War and Peace in Russia. After she was able to understand, well, yeah, I mean, and that was a goal. That was uh, that was a goal. But like, did you achieve this goal? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I did. But I will say this: like, I, I tell people this all the time. It's like, do not assume <laughs> because if you're blind or you're visually impaired, that it's easy to find material. That it's easy to find. You know, because, okay, if it's Spanish or Italian or French or German or even Portuguese, yeah. they have so many more materials. But Maybe. Like... I, I'm not familiar with these apps and so on because I, like, you have, like, a, a different method, right? And right, right. I use uh, textbooks um, right. when there are textbooks in Braille. So or if there are some in Braille, so I, I, I use in Braille, of course, but if they're not, right. which is most often the case, we like I like uh, buy a normal textbook, and right. my mom scans and correct like converts converts this into word, right, and then corrects it. Oh wow! And it's 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 really hard because there are many many errors um, right. happening like during the conversion with oh. this uh, OCR uh, software called yeah. FindReader, the Russian mm-hmm. one. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. The best one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and and so I can read everything in in Word, but it's much work, like from the side of my mom. Right. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, does, yeah. Th- does she speak other languages, or is it just Russian she, and Bulgarian? Uh, Russian, Bulgarian, and German, of course. Um, okay. As well, yeah. Like, yeah, she speaks. Okay. Well. She speaks quite well in German. Yeah. She. Um. Yeah. And um. Uh, well, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, and um, so so I'm not aware what apps are accessible or, or not, not not accessible, but yeah, yeah, accessibility is an issue. Yes, and I yeah. understand like if you pick a language that's mo- like more popular, then you will usually find uh, more accessible more accessible apps. Yeah. Oh mm. yeah, because now it's 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 become a lot more easier now. I think than it has like when I started in the language community seven years ago. So 
you know, I tell people all the time, because I was just in a room with someone on Clubhouse before I came on here to do this interview with you. And they're studying, they're getting a master's degree in Spanish. And so, like, I have a friend that's, to- she she was visually impaired, but she lost all her sight. Mm. And she, you know, she went, you know, she's bilingual, you know, Spanish and English. And she was oh, like, gosh. you're more fluent in Spanish than I am, and I'm a native. And I'm like, well, there's a difference between going to school and learning a language, okay, from a, 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 a academic standpoint, mm-hmm. and being highly proficient in the language, like, you have more knowledge because you're you you know the different idioms, the of different course. you know colloquialisms because you lived in this particular country, you were born yeah. there, yeah. and it's a little bit different than going to school and learning it from a teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. But you can like, if you want, in 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 the advanced, more advanced uh, stage of your uh, language learning, like I don't know, listen to or watch movies and they're like learn colloquial more colloquial for example oh yeah uh, sentences yeah it's, it's possible yeah mm-hmm. but right. um methodology is like speaking from day one and uh, i wanted to explain like for uh, to the audience as well that my methodology is like very classical a little bit old-fashioned maybe but mm-hmm. uh, i always study grammar always so uh, i uh, pick like the textbook mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, do this uh, these uh, grammar exercises uh, study vocabulary and when I achieve like um, the my level until B1 so I right. pick like another uh, textbook for advanced more advanced level maybe B2 or B2-ish mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, like I study with this textbook and in parallel I already like listen to radio um, maybe read uh, some literature it depends um, mm-hmm. yeah and so that's my method but speaking from day one is also an interesting method method so uh, I know um, some other polyglots that um, that use it and uh, that works like this method works well for them so yeah I, now, <laughs> I respect now. like like uh, respect um, every methodology because it's everyone everyone does and that's that's the truth of it regardless of if you have a disability or if you don't have one everyone everyone has a different learning style and i actually had to explain that to someone in a polyglot room once i was like yes Oga and i are part of the blind community internationally but we both learn differently so you cannot automatically assume that because someone's a part of the same community that they're going to learn, they're going to pick up the same information in the same way. That's, that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, and it is an educational experience for all because even for me, I've been legally blind all my life, but because I'm half and half, it's, you know, I, I learned print first. So, and then I learned Braille, but no, no. Because, because I learned print first and I still could read and write print up until I was like in my 30s yeah, yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. I wasn't forced to use braille as much and so therefore here in the states if you have that much usable vision they encourage you to use it now they will tack on audio but 
a lot of it also is for economic purposes because if if I, someone wanted a braille display in this country, good, good luck with that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, you it's told expensive. me already. You've already yeah. told me about the situation with braille displays in the states. I like yeah. haven't expected that it was the case, but poof. oh yeah, it's it's expensive, and and if it if it breaks down, let's say your case is closed with voc rehab, it's. You're responsible for paying for that, and that's yeah, like almost, that's, that's why, yeah, like that's, why I'm, I'm saying, yeah, that's why six hundred dollars. That's why, that's why I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, you know not not Whoa. everyone's that fortunate, and if you do no. get one on the cheap cheap route, that means you have to put back for it, and so a lot of people now, you know, they do have that that battle. You know, is Braille like? even relevant anymore because everybody's using text to speech everybody's using ebooks and and you know they're using their smartphones their tablets their laptops and so forth and you know things are just becoming more you know portable i mean you even have a lot of sighted people who listen to audible all day yeah of course of course there are there are mm. so so <laughs> it, you know it's like everything's just going digital and everything's just going audio and yeah. why not Braille? Well, it's like, well, yeah, it depends. I, yeah, 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 so I, my argument for that is, well, okay, what about if all the technology is gone? How are you going to read? If the, if the internet's gone, the you have no way to read or write as someone that's visually impaired or blind and you don't have Braille at your disposal, you're screwed. Yeah, so I could maybe read, not not maybe, but like most likely read and write because right. I can use Braille. Right. Uh, I can order books from libraries. I have access to many libraries, like yes, many yeah. libraries in Europe. Um, and um, so I, you could ask my parents to, don't know, fill in forms and so on, uh, like help me with, with documents and so on. Then they they help me anyways. So right. But yeah, <laughs> but ebooks, yeah, I like ebooks very much, and I have many, many ebooks on my oh, computer. I love ebooks because they and change... I read them with my braille display, of course. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Now, do you actually read them in the actual language? Do you do translations? How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, it's it's a great um uh, topic. Uh, I prefer uh, reading everything, so if it's possible, right? If I speak the language, so to read, uh, I prefer reading in the original language. Uh, of course, I respect the work of the translations that make the efforts to translate and to transfer the message of the original author in another language or in other languages. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is always a, like a part um, or a, um, like there's always a, a, like a matter of, of, of improvisation so that every um, translator or interpreter um, like translates um, like by improvising some idiomatic expressions that cannot be translated like Literally, literally translated into the target right. language. So there is always like, um, like in the translation, uh, you like are allowed to translate like more in in a free way. You know, yes, and not 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 literally. Uh, uh, literally. 
and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> there are always these untranslatables, this phenomenon, and that's why I think that um, in order to understand the message of the author, it's best like it's the, the best way to understand the message of the author is to read in the original language. I know many polyglots that um, uh, read, um, for example, books that they know in their target language. So they read like translations, for example, if we, if we take Harry Potter, so they, uh, they read oh, yes. uh, these books in many target languages. But um, I have a slightly different method because um, I like, get familiar with the literature uh, of the target language. And I start start reading like it depends like novels or short stories of um, famous authors uh, in this target language, and many polyglots um, are impressed or, or they like wonder if um, if I have, uh, if I've like um, ever have uh, read something uh, in the target language that I know that I like uh, have read before, and I said no. No, I uh, always read like new books, like books that are unfamiliar to me. And that's a little bit strange for, for many polyglots because <laughs> they yeah. read these translations in order to understand the target language better and so on. But um, no, yeah, so... I was like that with Russian. I, I, it took me a minute to find Gary Potter yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in, Gary in Potter. Russian. But um, what I wound up doing was I. I decided, well, I might just download the classics and then Anna Karenina and Crime and Punishment and War and Peace. And, and I even got all like three Fifty Shades of Grey books in Russian. And then I had found this one author who did the book series Metro. And it's like a sci-fi series, but it's translated into like every language on Earth. Mm-hmm. And um, I I have that series too, and I I mean I did have like Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but but I found that once I found my my um, groove for you know what it was I wanted like in terms of books and TV, and I even like subscribed to the russia today channel on my cable subscription a while back for a whole year and i did nothing but listen to everything in russian all day for like i did like 5544 hours worth of listening which was a whole year and it was like more than like 16 hours worth of listening every day in russian and i would just speak even if it was to myself in russian even if my grammar was not the greatest you know Mm -hmm. and and people were like wow like you i mean i'm pretty much to put myself in an immersion mode just, uh, so, just, so, so you are not that grammar guru or a grammar grammar nerd right I'm, so you, i i i do in, in do. the beginning in the beginning uh, in the beginning in the beginning because it's like okay i need to know how this is laid out but then mm-hmm. i kind of got <laughs> what i got stuck with was especially with the grammar in russian I mean, I remember all the endings and all that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. But it's that, important. Yeah, that's important. But then it's like when you want to say you want to go somewhere, you know, are you going on foot? Are you going on transportation? Are you going one time? Are you returning? Are you... 
like that took a minute for me to grasp <laughs> Mm. but 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 what i did was i mean i know this sounds terrible to say but i used president putin as the model of speaking because of his his, his particular rage um when yeah, he was... so you can use like um yeah so you used like his um pronunciation like um, way of pronouncing maybe right 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 well like when he's speaking you know, doing like a press conference, for instance, or his state of the state address or whatever, something that's long, mm-hmm. I would, I would use, I would just listen, you know, and it got to the point where I started looking up the words I wanted to use and talk about how I felt and, mm-hmm. and all that. And then I just incorporated all the things I enjoyed. And I, mm-hmm. it, I didn't really realize that I had put like 10,000 hours into like, um, just rushing by itself on the memorize app like i did all seven seven levels seven courses they had that were free mm-hmm. and i mean i went from year one to year seven mm-hmm. and and then i was listening to all this stuff and i found that like i learned more because i really had gotten it all clicked like several times in my head you know i could understand this now because i'm, I'm listening so much and absorbing so much so then when I got an audio recording of um, Leo Tolstoy's um, Binary Man, not Binary Man, I was... Uh, yeah, what kind of book, sorry? Uh, by uh, by Tolstoy's? Yeah. Uh, what was but, the name? Binary Man? The mm-hmm. uh, War and Peace? Oh, yeah, 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 it's uh, only, I didn't uh, understand acoustically, but now, now I understood, yeah, yeah, so, so, I, I, I I mean, it's kind of weird, it's like one of those things where, you know how, like, you, you absorb so much of the language consciously, that you don't realize that you understand it until, like, like, I don't know, I felt a pop go in my head, and then, like, it just all clicked, and I was just listening to like the first like chapter of the book and I started to understand it without in Russian, the way it was meant to be understood. Like so all the all the work I had put in for the past two and a half years paid off without mm-hmm. me even realizing it. And you know, I mean I could speak for three hours in Russian to my ex boyfriend's mother over the phone and she spoke no English. Now she's learning English. But like when you can do those sort of things in the target language, it is so freeing. Yeah. And now, so are you like, um, can you like now, right now, can you um, speak Russian like um, as you spoke it uh, before, like three hours, you told me um, well, three I hours with the I ha- I woman, with this woman, with this mother yeah yeah i haven't spoken it in a while so i would probably work my way back up Mm. but i mean i i still understand quite a bit of it um you know i mean i i I don't forget a lot of it i'm i actually um decided for me personally um instead of japanese i wanted to go back and improve on my russian some more and revise Mm. it um, because that was my first language love that I taught myself by myself. Mm. And so. like, what kind of media are you using now in order to um, improve your Russian? I I mean, um, for example, um, uh, like where where um, you read news in Russian, for example, in which uh, 
channels uh, do you use? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, right now, um, I'm I'm kind of reviewing beginner material again, just uh, because yeah. I, I want I want is there's nothing wrong with going back to the basics and reviewing what you know, you know, just because I like to know, I I still have that, and then um, because sometimes when you go back and you review old material, you find mm-hmm. out you know more than what you thought you did in the beginning. So, so I'm doing that, but then I'm I'm also speaking mainly to myself at this point. Really? Um, and then I'm watching a lot of uh, Andrea Zajacinsev's uh, movies. Have you seen like Loveless or Leviathan or no. Elena? No. no. Okay. What, what what kind of movie? Uh, uh, who, who's the director? Andre Andre Zajacinsev. No idea. Uh, okay. well, uh, so um, so when, like, when, where were these uh, movies produced? Um, Elena was in 2011, Leviathan 2014, and Loveless was in 2018. Uh, Elena, it's maybe like Alona, right? Yeah, in Russian, uh-huh. right? Alona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No yeah. idea. Yeah. And, and yeah. like, what's the 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 genre? Like, it's uh, is it a drama? Rough? Drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, the, uh, and the actors, like, do they use slang or how do they speak, like, in general? A, a little bit of ev- a little bit of everything. I mean, they, they have some profanity. Uh, mm. Well, especially in Loveless. No. Yeah, in Loveless and in Leviathan, yes. Now, I, I'm, I will say that... Um, you can find you can find these movies. Um, he's been Andre Zajin said mm-hmm. uh, he has been nominated like twice for an Academy Award for Best Foreign Movie, mm-hmm. um, twice already <laughs> for Leviathan and for Loveless. But um, yeah, he had like he has like five movies: The Banishment and ba- yeah, Banishment and um, The Return or two or the other two movies. Mm-hmm. That he did, and one was in 05, and the other one I think was like an 08 or 09, somewhere around there. But you can find him, yeah. He's a Russian mm-hmm. director, he's a Russian director, and, mm-hmm. and so I I do that. Um, I but my favorite thing to do is to watch talk shows, mm-hmm. and Where what they, talk which talk shows, for example, do you know Russian talk shows? Uh, I don't remember the I don't remember the uh, the name of them in particular because it's been a while since I've seen them, and I had I was watching the Russia Today channel when I when I had cable, and I no longer have cable, so it was kind of hard for me to. Uh, but so it, now so so now you you don't have access access to Russia Today. Um, unless I. Unless I can find it like on the internet or on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. but but i mean like if i were to find like if they had russia today and i could i could stream it on my apple tv then yeah i would do that i would pay the money and do it again because they had movies from like the soviet era they had dramas from recently like you know more current and then they had like talk shows and stuff and news in 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 uh, russian all day long they even had little cartoons in the morning and I would just sit there and just listen in the background while I'm cleaning my house or something. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's why I, I, but see, I 
pretty much lived in an immersive world of nothing but Russian. Like I, yeah, I yeah, focused, yeah, understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I focused on that for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone asked me, "Well, how long does it take you to learn a language?" Well, I mean, okay, how how good do you want to get at understanding it and speaking it? I mean, because for me, the reading and writing comes after I I get the information in my head. Oh, so, it's so, a different method because I do it in parallel. I read, write, right. uh, study pronunciation, like study the pronunciation. Right. Um, yeah, I do the, the grammar, all- the vocabulary. It's like the classical, the classical right. method. I mean, I am a grammar geek. I do want to know how it's structured. Yeah, me too. So I can know what way. Like I do because I'm visual. Even though I can't see the print anymore or the pictures very well, but auditorily in my mind, I'm able to mind map how the words are supposed to go what order mm-hmm. they're supposed to go and so for me like a prime example i use the mango app as a prime example which is kind of similar to Pimsleur. and i decided i wanted to learn basic cantonese and it was like 10 chapters long and all i wanted to do was make a phone call give my name address telephone number and order me some food in cantonese and i did that after six weeks Mm-hmm. And you uh, and what did you order? Um, I had ordered me some sesame chicken. What, with, uh, chicken with, with what? Is it was it was sesame chicken mm-hmm. with uh, broccoli and fried rice. Oh. And so, well, actually, what I wanted was some barbecue beef bun, but the yep. problem was um, they only made it in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and I live in Akron, Ohio. And so the lady and I had a really lovely laugh about that because I went, I I took the the example from the textbook and used it in real life. Mm-hmm. So, so, but she commended me because she spoke Mandarin, but she thought she said my Cantonese was really good. So you know, I just wanted to know the basics, and sometimes, depending on what language you're learning, you just want to know the basics. You know, you might not go to you might not go to Hong Kong. But there's enough people in, in the U.S. where I can speak some basic Cantonese if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of did that for a while where I would learn bits of the language or at least A1, up to A1, just so I could be able to, like, go in a store and ask how much this costs and, you know, have a basic conversation and buy my food. I did that in Arabic a couple of years ago. And it was very liberating. And like, I will not speak a lick of English. I'll go in there in the target language and attempt to speak because no one has time to look up grammar. No one has time to worry about if you make them. They want to know what you want right then and there. And yeah. so I'm, I made a few friends behind doing some of that. So I kind of find that to be fun. You know, I, mm-hmm. I did it in, in Thai too. I wanted in Thai. Mm-hmm. In, in, in Thai. The Thai language? Yeah, Thai. Thai, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, of course. So I, 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 I was actually invited to a Buddhist temple because of it. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> uh, the Buddhist yeah. temple, wow. Yeah, so... And I how mean, was it in the temple? So, I never was, got like, the to atmosphere? Go. I never got to go. Oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, these are just the things that I, I tell my listeners all the time and, and other people I know and tutor. I was like, yeah, when you're learning a language... It, it, you can make it a lot of fun it doesn't have to be a chore no. you know you know so i mean do you have you tried some of those techniques like have you tried going to restaurants and speaking in the target language ordering food going Ooh. grocery shopping 
Uh, so, like, when I mm, was traveling, for example, to uh, some countries, of course, I mm, always had the opportunity to speak in restaurants or to order something. Yes, of course. Um, for example, when I was traveling to, to France or to the Netherlands, I was an um, and um, of course, of course, I I uh, always talk to um, the waiters and uh, the restaurant and and order. But like, well, with the special objective to practice the language and uh, like going to restaurants and order, order food. No, I, <laughs> I uh, I've never done this. But <laughs> but of course, when I was traveling, yeah, it's it's normal. <laughs> When I when I was in the country, like in the country where the language was spoken, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I have to have to ask this question. Now, when you were in these countries, what was the reaction that you received when you started speaking their language? You know, and you're just a tourist. Uh, just tour- yeah. So, <laughs> um, in most cases, the um like the people were impressed uh and for example i can give you an example when i was in the netherlands for the first time for the really first time <laughs> for the very first time and so i entered um with my dad so i entered a hotel a hotel and and, and like um told that i had a reservation and um showed my my um identity card id card my id <laughs> um and um and, and 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 the the girl on the the girl on the, on the reception at the reception um she like um told me yeah, uh, like she she, um, she was looking at the at the at the id at my id and told oh you're from uh, are you really from bulgaria and i told yes but how long i have been living in uh, in the netherlands and i told no no um I'm just uh, coming, like I'm just arriving um, here, like for the very, very first time uh, on vacation. Because, like before, before I uh, showed my ID card, we like, um, yeah, I told a little, uh, a little bit, like that I had a reservation, and so I uh, told like some words about myself and so on. And she, and she told, yeah, but um, but your Dutch is really good. So, so we were talking in twenty minutes. Um, uh, afterwards, so she couldn't believe that I I've never been to uh, to the Netherlands before, <laughs> and that uh, it's like my first time was my first time uh, like being in uh, in the Netherlands, and and I said yeah, well, um, I have like Dutch friends and uh, and so on with whom I uh, communicate in in Dutch. Um, and I, like, I had um, already read uh, some books in in Dutch, so I, um, I told her uh, like the this girl uh, about it as well, and she was really like shocked. But how can you like speak Dutch without have, having been to to the Netherlands? And the same was, for example, with uh, Swedish. Um, I went well, like for the first time. I went to a um, meeting. For, like it was yeah, like, you can say a meeting, like a get together, right? It was a get together in mm-hmm. 
Chinese restaurant um, in Regensburg for um, Swedes and uh, Swedish speaking. So for everyone who speaks Swedish or studies Swedish. Uh, and uh, it was like my first time and uh, I started speaking and um, telling like my story about Swedish language that like uh, with books I've um, uh, already read and so on and so on. And, uh, and so everyone was really astonished and uh, started asking uh, me, so uh, like, where have you lived in, uh, in Sweden? So how long uh, did you live in in Sweden? Um, so and I I don't know. I've never been to Sweden actually. But how is it possible that you speak with so good pronunciation? So everyone from the from this um, group, like from yeah, from the group, uh, they were asking like constantly asking, and 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 they couldn't believe that 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 I uh, never been to Sweden actually. But they said they told yeah, but like uh, you like you, you sound Swedish, but how is it possible? And I told yeah, I, oh, <laughs> I Swedish is a beautiful and, language. Yeah. Uh, well, what? Uh, sorry, sorry. I was I was I was gonna say Swedish is such a beautiful language. I, yes, it I, is. I, I remember when I had to review the Michelle Thomas um, Swedish course, the foundation mm-hmm. course, and the Norwegian, and mm-hmm. and I, I I'm going to be honest, I would never. Um, advice someone to do what I did, but I actually went through three of the foundation course and the starter Norwegian course in like one month, and because I was reviewing them for my show and for the company because I'm affiliated with them, and I, I, uh, I found the similarities, you know, of of their grammar and their vocabulary and of so course. forth and so on. Yeah, and I was just like, "This is so awesome!" And but I will say, after after doing Korean, Irish, Swedish, and Norwegian all in one month, my brain about died. Yeah. So um, my <laughs> advice for everyone who wants to learn similar languages would be, like, learn first the one language very well. Yes. B two ish. And then start with the other similar one. For example, I um, first, like, in, uh, regarding the Scandinavian languages, right? First, mm-hmm. I um, learned Swedish. And uh, I learned it first, uh, like, uh, until B1 level. And I started um, uh, improving it with the, with the other, uh, with, with another textbook um, at mm-hmm. B2 level, it mm-hmm. was. And in parallel, because I already could, speak basic Swedish so in parallel I started studying Norwegian right and I didn't confuse uh, it, them like them both because Swedish mm-hmm. was uh, in, in, in one uh, right. let's say um, cupboard <laughs> cupboard in my head and uh, like shelf well, let, let's say shelf uh, on, on one shelf of my brain and Norwegian was uh, another and um, like to top it all, I I I was also studying Spanish at this at this time, but it was no problem. <laughs> yeah, but four languages in one month, so no, I I wouldn't recommend it either. No, no, no. Right. I mean, but see, I but for for me, it was like more business oriented. So like I was breaking down 
my thoughts of the course and how it was laid out and if they should get it or not and ah like the the structure yeah. of your course uh, right. of the course right 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 right, right. i mean now, now mind you i enjoyed diving into all of it because it really gave me an affinity for what you know um how how it was set up structurally and, and yeah. grammatically and all that and and it was like how can you do I was like you don't understand I've reviewed every course they have on the sites um mm -hmm. every language on the site so I you know it's the same formula it's just grammatically is different but you, mm -hmm. know, you know because yeah, yeah. of the, each language but aside from that I I said you know if I were to pick you know which which ones would would I would find it'd be easy to just you know digest their sweetest in Norwegian would be two of them that you know is very um you know they're very similar and and I mean I, I, right now I'm speaking about this and words are coming up in both languages and I haven't even used it in a couple of years but for a lot of people you know they think they need to learn like so many languages at one time and I was like well no because I can tell you personally I'm one of those people that like to do one language at a time mm, and, at yeah, least, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. and at least spend about two years on it just because you know I want to get yeah. to a high point now if it's now if it's just a language where I I only want to know the basics like A1 maybe A2 then I'll okay. do that but if I'm not feeling it if it's not connecting with me and I'm not it's not something that I, you know, am comfortable with, you know, I'll, I'll stick to a language that, you know, I know I can, I can use every day. Cause right now I'm, I'm around a lot of Arabs. Mm. And so, um, I try to speak as much Arabic as I can. Um, mm. I, and I do run into some Asians, but not as much. And I run into a couple of Latinas every once in a while, but where I live at, like everyone's speaking English and they don't, they don't feel comfortable speaking their language out in public because yeah, people, yeah. people use cultural appropriation to make fun of them. Of course, and, of and I'm just like, there's over 400 languages in this country spoken, and you're ashamed to say, dude, I would be speaking all day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, we have like 14 minutes left. And yep. so, so I want to, um, n oh, I want to ask. So, how did you get started with music? So, um, I was singing a lot when I was little, <laughs> even though it was a little bit out of tune. And when I was five, um, so we moved from the town I uh, was born in, from Schumann to the capital, to Sofia, to Sofia. And, um, like, the original plan, uh, like, our plan or the plan of my parents was that I uh, would um, go to a school for the blind and visually impaired people in Sofia. And so uh, when we went there for the first time, uh, so we uh, got to know um, the music teacher there who was uh, from, from Ukraine, but she... Uh, spoke Russian fluently, uh, and um, and she like she noticed that I had um, like 
uh, interest in, in music and she started teaching me uh, playing the piano and so Fedrio uh, as well and she like fixed my <laughs> um, hearing because um, and, and, and she yeah, yeah because I like I was singing a little out of tune but mm -hmm. then she noticed that I had a perfect um, pitch right uh, but the relationship between like the hearing itself and the singing ability was not there yet so she like was training me a little bit tra trained me a little bit um, with exercises and then I um, started singing correctly because yeah because I had this uh, perfect pitch uh, as it turned out uh, and she then so then <laughs> when I was seven so I went to a normal school like a normal one for sighted people mm -hmm. and I like in parallel I was um, like I continued um, I was continuing playing uh, the piano studying solfeggio with her like with the uh, with the teacher and she recommended me to um, try to apply for the National School of Music in Sofia by piano uh, as the main instrument, main subject. So I applied and was accepted. And, um, and then I um, graduated school uh, this, at this um, National School of Music and uh, studied there for 10 years. And so I uh, made my A levels uh, there, like my exams. Um, but like the first contact with music professionally was by this, uh, made by this a teacher which I'm really grateful for and I'm still in contact in touch with her um, so we're writing emails and so on so so yeah <laughs> so that was the first <laughs> encounter with music now how did you get into playing the piano and the organ for like churches so my first uh, contact with organ was I was 13 and I uh, listened to or I visited the uh, organ festival summer organ uh, festival in, in Sochi, Russia and I liked the instrument very much and then um, like in one year I think um, I traveled um, for the first time to Germany and I uh, listened to the first uh, like to the, to the um, largest uh, cathedral organ or church organ in Europe, in Passau, Bavaria, Germany. And I was really impressed by the uh, acoustics there, by the uh, atmosphere there and, and the instruments. So I, um, so I had like my dream, my dream to uh, start studying uh, organ and to become a church um, organist. So uh, that's why I, like in parallel, by playing the piano, I also started uh, studying organ in, in Bulgaria. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have this um, organ tradition like in Germany or in France or the Netherlands or whatever in Europe. Uh, and uh, we have, so that's why we have uh, really few organ teachers. And so I um, was with, uh, like I was uh, studying with um, most of them. Uh, and yeah, so I... Uh, was starting 
like I, I started um, studying uh, like repertoire and to improvise as well the older like him playing as well of course him playing and improvisation it's one thing I think because when you play uh, play hymns you have to improvise as well uh, introductions um, uh, and uh, um, yeah, for, for example, introductions or, or, or during a communion, something you have to, to play. Uh, so it's one thing. And, um, and, and, and then um, uh, we found this, like I found, yeah, I, <laughs> um, like I, I was recommended, right, to um, start studying uh, sacred music here in Regensburg because it was a really uh, little university, so you, I could get orient- oriented there. Without any problems, um, and, uh, and 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 like the teachers and the professors um, had uh, experience with uh, other blind and visually impaired people, and that's why I applied here. And I moved uh, with my mom first, and then my da- dad also came to Germany, and so we moved uh, everyone to uh, like all we moved uh, to Regensburg. And um, so I graduated uh, sacred music in 2016, and in 2018 I graduated my master's degree in organ improvisation. And now I'm working as an organist in in a little village here uh, near Regensburg. And uh, of course, I would like to, uh, like always, to uh, work as an organist in parallel with um, another um, like with other employment uh, whatever it would be I, I would like to specialize in the intercultural uh, area for example onboarding of international employees in a, in a, in a uh, company or to be responsible for the communication uh, in a company or uh, for social media because I have such uh, some experience with this but of course in parallel in the weekends I would like to um, continue playing the organ and to combine um, like the my passion for intercultural communication languages um, and so on with that for music yeah. that's awesome now um we have like six minutes left um mm-hmm. where can where can people find you if they want to contact you yeah uh they can mm-hmm. find me uh, uh in order to contact me uh yeah on on facebook um uh, my name is there uh, olga koevan um don't know if you can tag um this on your podcast mm-hmm. and uh, also I have a YouTube channel even if it's not active that much right now but there I have some videos where I play the organ sing and speak uh, different languages so the name is also Olga Koeva uh, but in general I am a great mailer that's why I put my email address uh, in the bio of um, my Facebook profile so <laughs> you can always write me emails because I'm not so active on Facebook and I find Messenger not that accessible <laughs> with a Braille display. So maybe for you, using text-to-speech, it's like more accessible, but for, for, for me, it's not so accessible. Yes, so you can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn as well. 
you can find me as, uh, at LinkedIn. Uh, on LinkedIn, my name is also uh, Olga Koiva there as well. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate this. Mm, yes, thank you very much for having me, for suggesting me to join your podcast and to become a little bit more more popular in the internet <laughs> oh, oh trust me i just i just web. got finished doing an interview um on someone else's show and then i have another one next week to do on someone else's show so mm-hmm. um yeah i i'm starting to get back in the interview groove now um mm-hmm. mainly because i'm picky about who i want on the show and because i'm talking about language learning from my perspective but also language learning from a you know a visually impaired way mm. you know i i interview so many of the people you and i both know but i also want to hear from people who are learning languages who are disabled and especially if they're in the blind community because a lot of times you know people just don't know mm. you know and, and they they like to um assume that if you know like if you know a blind person you know everybody in the community which isn't true (laughs) uh there's like 300 million of us strong worldwide but not everyone knows everybody no no (laughs) so so like and i just find people's stories to be so interesting i i I interviewed Mm -hmm. someone recently a couple years ago and they went this is before the pandemic hit they went to egypt and they're they're totally blind and and they they were explaining their whole process of what it was like going over there and yeah. the interaction they're maybe extreme extremely mobile right like yeah uh, yeah independent yeah but they they, they went with yeah. their family and how were their family, family but but mm-hmm. the way they had to dress was different the way that they the way that they had to um interact with the male population over there because yeah, yeah, yeah you know the men had to do like the father had to do all the business of of mm. the trip so you know handling... so the father was sighted right yes mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so, so i mean she was the only person in the family that was blind but mm. her sister god bless her soul had um taken care of all the you know transportation arrangements and passports and all that and the hotel and the tourist stuff and mm-hmm. but but she couldn't do she couldn't get give them the documents mm-hmm. she had to give documents to her dad and her dad had to take care of it mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. because they wouldn't do it with women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i mean it's an interesting podcast and um mm-hmm. i i i enjoy listening to you know stuff like that and people from all over because i mean and she's american by the way she lives in ohio no, she's american yeah. yeah yeah but it's it's and she's african-american too so mm-hmm. it's very hard to um you know they don't see a lot of uh, African American um, people come over to Egypt that often. So, no, no, no. so mm-hmm. for us, it's it's a little bit you know it's different. So mm-hmm. like for her, she was like, oh yeah, I had to make sure I was covered up and all that, and you can't you can't show any you know you can't show anything like no. you know it, everything has to be loose formed and yeah it and I was like because I was asking about that because that's another thing I enjoy culturally is mm-hmm. um learning about the customs and the laws and the different mm-hmm. rules and regulations and because when you go out to some of these places you need to know what's going on 
ahead of time so you know you won't um offend someone or uh you know it, being disabled by by itself is enough so if you have a guide dog what you know what, what you have to do quarantining so forth and so on blah 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 so yeah that was a good interview to do and I learned a lot from her experience and so did my listeners mm-hmm. and um yeah I mm-hmm. said I wanted to do more of these because you know I wanted more people that were blind and visually impaired to come on the show to, just to tell their story because it I can I can interview all the sighted people in the world but it's you know, I, I'll get a whole bunch of different sided perspectives, but I, I won't get mm-hmm. the perspective of our own community. And mm-hmm. that's that was my goal was to educate people to understand mm-hmm. we can learn. We do. You know, we can learn things. We can achieve things. We can work. We can have families, you know, despite our disability. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the whole message. And well, yeah. so um if anybody wants to follow, rate, review, share the podcast with anybody who loves learning languages and wants to know more about Ogakova, um, you know, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Anchor, you can go to Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are downloaded. And remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the podcast. And I will see everybody in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast. For now, bye. Bye. Thank you.